Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to hear from them about a meaningful video game from a particular moment in their life. On the show, we hear from our guest uh, not only about what they loved and enjoyed and remember uh, being uh, potentially charmed by the game, I guess it depends on the experience, but we also get into the context and that moment in their life of, uh, of just sort of what framed that for them. A little bit of housekeeping up top is that uh, we're all over social media, so you should follow us and uh, and check out our stuff. We're on Instagram at Call Me By Your Game Pod, and we're on Twitter at Call Me By Your Game, but there's just one Y, so that's B Y O U R. Uh, and um, there you can see what episodes we have coming out, what our guests are up to, how to support them, and check out the cool art I make for every episode. Uh, this and anything we promote today will be in a link in the show notes. So you don't even have to type it out. You can just click wherever you're listening. You can also support the show by leaving us a rating and review on the Apple Podcast Store or wherever you get your shows. But if you do it somewhere that's not Apple, uh, send it to me because I can't see those publicly anywhere. Uh, that's it, Only Apple works that way. So I'd love to shout you out because it means a lot to see you know, what you're liking about the show. What's your favorite episode? Let us know. You can also share the show with a friend, whether you love video games in general or the game that we are discussing on the main event today. Uh, You can join our Discord, which there will be a link in the show notes, or you can DM me for that. Uh, And that's where we have a wonderful little community talking about all the games uh, or all the podcasts on Super NPC Radio, uh, this podcast network we have here. Uh, And Last but not least, you can support us on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash supernpcradio, where you get a ton of bonus video game podcasts every week, uh, not just from me, but from the creators of uh, video games, a comedy show, Reactivators, uh, Scary Basement. It's a blast. Uh, we are about to wrap up our Super Mario 64 Games Club, uh, which if you're listening to this right now, I think there's three more weeks. And uh, just wanted to announce the winner of, our, of, of the election for our next Games Club voted on by the DJ Toad tier patrons, is Pokemon Red and Blue. Uh, So we're going to be going through those games uh, uh, over, you know, about 12 weeks. I just finished mapping it out, and it should be a blast. But again, that ton of bonus stuff on our Patreon, patreon.com slash supernpcradio. And yeah, you can see what tier makes sense for you if you want to support us there. But that'll do it. Uh, for the housekeeping, and I'll finally introduce our guest. Uh, so please welcome uh, improviser, comedian, overall just charmer, Kale Hills. Welcome to the mic. Hello. Hi, Connor. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, how are you? Thank you for doing this today. I'm good. I'm good. This is a nice thing to have amidst. Well, actually, you know, the weather today isn't too bad, but um, uh, when, we re- when we're recording this, it's been a few weeks of really bad rain and bad weather in LA. Yes. So it's nice to have a reason to stay inside. Absolutely. I I find myself to be someone, and I've, I've really got to workshop this idea because I've been talking about it so much. I very much enjoy seasonal weather. I enjoy the rain. The I enjoy overcast weather. Um, I like to experience the seasons as they, sh- as they should be in my brain. Uh, but I will say lately, I'm kind of sick of it. I'm ready for spring. I'm over it. It's been yeah. really hard. And it's tough, too, because everyone always makes fun of uh, people in L.A. for, like, uh, whining every time it rains. And there <laughs> like is some doing. validity to that. But it's been insane. It's been really yes. bad. It, and uh, I, I have a hard time conveying to people who don't live here. I'm like, no, we're not. Um, we're not overreacting this time. This time it's bad for real. 
Yes, I can't remember the the metric or what I the term that I heard used, but it was like we had gotten like this, a couple years worth of water in like a month or something. That also I may be no, not, I think maybe lying. I mean, I don't. I think they finally, finally after this last week declared the drought from a technical standpoint to be over. Yes, but it was so mm. disheartening like earlier this year in January, February, it was so disheartening because it would rain so much. And then I would check and be like, how's the drought? Is it over yet? And it would be like, no, we're still, even though it's been, even though you are currently underwater, you're also in a drought. Yes. Um, But I think it finally, finally caught the groundwater, finally caught up to um, an appropriate level. So, you know, well, good. Yeah, it better be worth it after all this. Uh, I don't know uh, why my impulse is to turn this podcast into like an NPR style <laughs> news update for no, your listeners. Hey, you know what? It's important. And I think I'll be honest with you. It's what they've been clamoring for. Uh, Absolutely. So, so uh, let's thank get you into for... the child labor crisis in America. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and before we do that, we're going to talk about Bomba Socks. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, hell, if anyone wants to sponsor this podcast, you're more than welcome to. But uh, Kale, I'm really excited to have you here. I know you like I do the majority of my guests through the Los Angeles uh, improv comedy community. I can't exactly like. Some, I always I do this exercise every time I have someone on. I'm like, mm. how did I meet you? And I don't know specifically, like I just don't have the moment when we would have met, but I do remember watching you perform before we met and just on Herald Night and specifically, and, I, and probably Maude as well, and just thinking you were just so fantastically funny. I, I, I think I probably first saw you. Were you on a team before Nomi Malone? I was. I was on a team that lasted for one season called Dunk Tank. Yes. And it was a great team, like a murderer's row of talent. But also, you know, I was brand new. Some other people were brand new. The other half of the team was like so veteran. It was like Uh Jess McKenna and and like Jason Marissa and people like that. And so I think it just wasn't in the cards for that to be a team uh for a a very long time sure yes you know interesting this discussion coming hot off the heels of a new herald season Um, i i love it i mean (laughs) it's yeah it's it's sports it is sports yes it is um that's I'm, i'm pretty sure that i saw you on that team and just remember thinking you were so funny and then of course you know saw you on nomi malone saw you on pony saw you on your mod team as well with um because you were on the same team with uh with Chad and Lauren, correct? Yeah, that's what right. What was the name? I'm surprised uh, I'm sorry for making you recount just your team names. No, it's fine. Um we were called the Audacity. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, which uh is funny, like I, I you're right, like I don't know, getting into the discussion of team names is is like so inside baseball, but yeah. <laughs> um uh it uh that's a pretty sh- that's a pretty slick name. That's pretty very slick. Yeah, yeah. Um I really don't have a point to make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those times where your brain starts going down a road and you're like, does this have a destination here? Uh it's quite often what my brain does to me, but 
any long story short, I remember getting to watch you and then at some point got to meet you and become familiar. And turns out you weren't only just uh, very funny, you were very nice. And so I'm glad we at least had enough contact to get you, you know, on the show today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, likewise, nice guy, funny guy, big wow. fan. Look at us, a couple of sweeties on the pod today. <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm really excited to have you on. Um, is there anything else about yourself that you didn't get to share, or anything you wanted that you like want to plug today? Uh, just wanted to open that up for you. Um, plugs. I guess I am um, continuing to perform with Pony. Yes, we have a monthly slot where we're um, performing alongside a team called Sentimental Lady. Um, and our next performance dates are April 20th, May 18th, and June 15th. So we have once a month, that's a Thursday at 7 p.m. Um, and then outside of that, maybe I'll pop up here and there, but <laughs> not enough that I <laughs> could plug. What should we do here? Let me ask you this, because our next show is on is on 420. What should we do? I was just curious, and I'm so glad that you came to the the Stoner Czar uh, uh, to to ask this question. Because I was I was going to ask, are you all planning to do something for that or not? Um, like, do you want to go down? Like, would it be fun to do something? Is there like a a, a thing that Pony used to do, or that you all used to? Whether it was a form or something that you could incorporate in into four twenty. That's a great, great question. I think we're <laughs> still figuring it out. It's so interesting being back in the space of performing again after taking like such a long time off. Yeah. I did not. I, you know, it, all the people who were like out there making content during the pandemic and like really going hard in the paint on uh, <laughs> their artistic, uh, creative selves. Uh, I, very, very proud of those people. I was not one of them. I went into my little uh, uh, hermit hole and <laughs> just now reemerging. Um, so we'll have to figure it out. I don't think we're a very, I don't think we're a very cool team though. Like I don't see us <laughs> uh, like Sean. Sean's cool. Oscar is cool, but Oscar is also like straight edge. Yes. If I smoke any weed, I uh, my anxiety like shoots through the roof. Mm. So I just don't know <laughs> what we'll do. But maybe you just do a show. Well, first of all, you are all very cool, uh, very cool, and 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 so wonderful. But uh, maybe you just do a show where you tell everyone you're stoned and you're not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, you're like, "Gotcha!" <laughs> and also, the cops are outside. Um, yeah. Uh, well, oh, that'll be, thanks for letting me use this time to workshop my improv show. No, very you're, important. you're, you're very welcome. Uh, Matt did uh, tell me ahead of time that this was a possibility. So I was, I was emotionally prepared for it. Uh, Good. and, and I think we found the perfect show. Um, but that, that should be a, that should be a blast. You can find, I'll put a link to the show notes as well, at least to the next show, the 420 show. Um, so that people, if they want to go in the LA area, they can uh, just click the link and do that. <laughs> Um, we had actually a recent guest uh, on the show from Sentimental Lady, uh, Alex Fernie promote, I think the first one you all did this year, which, which I got to go to and was an absolute, it was so fun to see you all perform together again. It's just a true privilege to be like in person with people again in any capacity. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, 
thank you for promoting your show. Um, before we get into your brief, you know, a brief overview of your history with video games, uh, Kale, would you introduce what you've brought on today and please call me by your game? Um, yeah, the game that I brought today is Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64. I almost did the whisper uh, from Call Me By Your Name, but I just couldn't, co- <laughs> I couldn't commit. I you know, couldn't commit. You know, it's a, it's, it's a tough ask uh, that I, that I do this, even do this to people. And it took, I think, I don't, I think I've been doing this for like 10 episodes. Uh, and even before I was like, why don't I do a thing where we both say the game three times in a row in a whisper. And I was like, this is getting into it just like territory that someone is going to bump up against. But, uh, but Hey, thanks for considering it. I appreciate it. It's very, it's very sexy to think about. And it's also, but it's 1030 in the morning. So I don't know that I'm like ready to be sexy yet. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, and it's one of those things where I'm like, do I want to bring people on here and subject them to that with with me specifically? Is like interesting choice for like uh, a seemingly cozy show host uh, to spring that on someone. Um, mm. But I'm so excited uh, to hear from you about this game. I don't have a relationship with every game people bring on, but I love this one, so I'll probably be extra excited to talk. But let's get into your brief history with uh, or brief overview of your history with games. Do you remember? a time where you first took an interest in one at some point in your life, whether you were a young kid or, or whenever. Yeah. You know, I, um, uh, I was, uh, I, I listened to, I listened to Lily's episode. Oh, um, uh, before coming in and it it just kept striking me, uh, how, uh, similar our upbringings were, even though they're also very different. Um, but I had, I, I grew up in a very, um, like, um, kind of conservative environment and I was homeschooled. So on the one hand, I did get to play games and video games were a part of my life, but they also came with a lot of filters and barriers mm. for like only being allowed to play for like 30 minutes at a time yeah. or, um, you know, not being allowed to play T rated games yes. for, for the most part and things like that. So early on, um, uh, uh, my first, um, like device was a, was a game boy. Great. And I was young during the initial Pokemon craze. Awesome. Um, so I had yellow um, and I played yellow, but even that was kind of like bound up in weird stuff. Cause I don't know if you remember this or if this was a part of the culture where you were, but um, anytime there's a new like cultural phenomenon, e- evangelical conservative Christians are like very on guard about it. Yes. And there was like a lot of controversy around Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day at church, like finding a flyer that was like explaining why Pokemon was evil. Oh, and, no. and like, <laughs> cause you know, it, it has like evolution in it and stuff like oh, that. Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. And so I took the, um, I like took, the flyers and i was like i'm gonna hide these so my parents don't know that pokemon is yes is is against the rules um which (laughs) can i ask you about that too yeah yeah um because i'm so curious i i grew up in a in a in a conservative like christian home as as well 
um, um, and went to church growing up. But so, so certain things were also like, you know, um, were like would get dialed in as like the sort of threat in that way almost. Not that you necessarily posed it that way, but that's maybe how I'm going to characterize it from my experience. But uh, sure, yeah, Pokemon didn't get ever ever fall into the like laser sights of that it was, i more remember like reading harry Potter, like the library teacher mm, reading yeah. harry potter to our class and like a couple kids had to sit outside because they weren't allowed to hear stories about witchcraft um and and all that jazz and and uh and now uh the those certain families are probably like no harry potter is great for all the wrong reasons um, i'm sure yeah um but the flyers i'm so interested in uh, which, and what I wanted to ask was, was this something being like passed out at church or was it like at like the, the kids, uh, like Sunday school. And then they're like, bring these back to your parents. It was more so like, um, you know, you would enter the like lobby or the floor okay, of gotcha. the church and there's like a, a folding table that has like all kinds of different pamphlets and yes. maybe it's next to a bulletin board about like a potluck that's coming up so mm-hmm. it was just like in an informational stack and obviously i like i zoomed straight to it because i'm sure it had pikachu on it i was like well <laughs> i gotta check this i gotta check this out <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining you like like snatching up all of them in the room to like just so your parents won't won't see them uh that's so so interesting. What if inter- and I think I've heard you share before, like on stage. Or I want I'm I'm picturing you being from like Indiana. Is that at all close? Very close, Missouri. Missouri. Oh my gosh, I forget that my my mom's side of the family is is basically from St. Louis, but they're okay. technically from Illinois, just like right over the Mississippi River. Oh, um, gotcha. Yeah, but I but that's that's interesting. Yeah. So I, I, I grew up more uh, like on the um, western side of the state, yes. closer to Kansas mm-hmm. City. Um, but I would say that my experience with games, um, so it, I, I've, I've always like played and enjoyed games, but with, you know, some caveats of like, totally. I wasn't, I wasn't like at school being like, uh, uh, I, I don't have necessarily all the same like exact cultural reference points as other people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I would say my experience with games is like, on the one hand, super solitary because I would spend a lot of time like playing just by myself in mm-hmm. like um, imaginative like uh, escapism, which I think is the the game that I brought today is like a big part of that. But then I think like most people, another side of my experience with gaming is um, super social, and um, I had a best friend who had a Nintendo 64 and we like played the shit out of Mario party and super smash brothers. And then also my younger brother, um, uh, is like very knowledgeable about games and Mm. very has always been, um, more of a gamer. So I have kind of been able to experience a lot of games through him. Yeah. And now, I love video games, but I am, uh, I find it hard to carve out the time, um, to like really sink into them. Cause I think my preferred experience of a game is to like, is to lose myself in it. Yes. Um, my most recent, I don't know if we're supposed to be talking about this yet. 
not that there's rules. I don't want to break the rules. Oh, of the I'll podcast. tell you if you step out of line, Mister. <laughs> Go um, ahead. <laughs> but the the last thing that I uh, got really into was um, so during the pandemic, obviously had a lot of time. Uh, yeah. And um, one thing I have tried to do as an adult is like go back to things that I was curious about as a kid, but maybe didn't have access to or wasn't allowed to like um, uh, play. And so I got so obsessed with the Resident Evil franchise. Oh, no way. Interesting. I lost my fucking mind. I I played them all. And then I kept going. Then I was like, let's watch all the movies. And I finally pulled myself out when I started to read the novelizations. And I was like, this is too, this is like no shade to anyone who is like, it is that deep in the Resident Evil fandom. But I was like, this is simply too much. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like reading a, an insane novel about Chris Redfield. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my most recent, um, uh, like, uh, yeah, uh, game obsession. And I am, um, so excited for the Resident Evil 4 remake to come out. Oh my goodness. Like this is, I have questions I want to ask you now. And this, cause this is really exciting news even coming from someone who has barely interacted with the Resident Evil franchise, the the only one that I ever played was uh, in, I think it was fall of 2021, um, every year on our uh, on our Patreon network in the fall for the, the weekly show that everyone gets, regardless of what tier you're at. Um, it's a weekly topical show, and Jeremy and I will talk about, like, Halloween-y stuff in October, of course. It's, a, it's like a is softball for podcasting uh regardless of what you're doing there's a format for that um but we i had a little peek behind the curtain yeah peek behind the curtain for you listeners um we i had basically just dabbled and played about i don't know maybe five hours of resident evil uh seven biohazard Uh um yeah and i it was again my first experience. It's one of those, as you know, that is uh, from the first person perspective. It's newer. Um, I really was enjoying it as much as like it was. It was scary for me because I don't expose myself. I realized to a lot of like horror style media, whether it's movies, games, what have you. Um, and anyway, it was very frightening. But what do you did you like that one? I'm curious of your opinion. That was so. That was actually the first one that I played. Oh wow! Um, so I didn't. Um... Um, you know, if, if you're a Resident Evil purist and you're listening to this, I'm sure you're like, oh my gosh, like you don't appreciate, you, you played it and you don't appreciate. Here's how, here's how fucking stupid I am. <laughs> I didn't understand. It's like a staple of not only Resident Evil, but um, video games in general that like you can break open a crate and there's stuff inside of it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like everybody knows that. Yeah. I did not when i played biohazard i did not understand that you could use the knife to break open the crates so i played through the entire game without breaking any crates open and i was like this game is so hard (laughs) i never got any collectibles any upgrades (laughs) um uh but i um 
I, I forget exactly what the question was, but I, so that was my, that was my entry point. And then I went back and played through and, 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 um, and caught myself up to speed so I could finally appreciate what biohazard does so well in terms of like resetting the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, but I absolutely agree. Like I love scary stuff, but Ooh. I also am a, uh, baby. Yes, um, me too. So, so I had to, um, I had to like make a rule. I had to, I had to make a rule for myself. Like, like it was like, caffeine no like no caffeine after 4 p.m or something i had to say i can't play resident evil after eight o'clock at night because it would get it would just not like fuck with my dreams but it elevates it it would elevate my heart rate Mm. and then i would get like tetris brain but for zombies and i couldn't couldn't fucking go to sleep because i'm like uh on edge yeah absolutely your brain like i've i've had that i was a kid with a like a i think i talked about this recently just a big imagination so like if something would get in my brain like that that was uh scary or something it would be really hard to go to sleep um so i can totally relate uh this is i have two questions well i have one question and then i have a a recommendation for you the the recommendation is that if uh is that a few years ago uh, Jeremy and another one of our friends who contributes on the network, Mikey McCuller, they did an entire Resident Evil Games Club where yeah. they basically did episodes about all of the the entire series and even got into the novels too. So it's funny you brought that up, but um, that's available in a free feed now. So I'll send you the link uh, so you can listen to it. I think if you just search Super NPC Games Club, it'll it'll come up, but it's a treasure trove of Resident Evil for you. Um and then, do you have a personal favorite of the series? I don't know if I'm just saying this because it's like I think what you're supposed to think, but um, four Resident Evil Four is is one of the one of the best games I've ever played. Awesome! Uh, it's just like the um, you know parts of it don't age great. Obviously, no, like that's true for any any game i think but um the yeah like the the gameplay and the story and the like scaling of the difficulty level throughout is just perfect that's the thing i notice uh, a lot with like mm. new games is they're either so um and i'm sure i'm just like not playing enough games but it feels like now games my experience is now games are either so difficult that I can't as a more casual gamer, like can't even start playing them or they are like remarkably too handholdy. Yeah. Um, And that's what I think maybe, and maybe that's just being a kid, but like, that's how I felt about Resident Evil 4. That's how I feel about today's game. Like for the age that I was when I played it, it was like scaled perfectly to be really hard. But what is that? Um, yeah, it was just like, I was trying to remember some kind of statistic, but uh, I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that during the the next uh, segment, when we're in the back half, you're just like, I know what it was. And, and you just shout out a statistic with no context. Yeah, um, and it is about child labor in America. Yes, of course. So we're we're don't worry, folks. We're tying it back. Um, 
That's amazing. Do you have any uh, plans to play uh, the remake? Do you have a means to? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a fucking 12-pack of Code Red, like Code Red Mountain Dew. Yes. As many frozen pizzas and like Hostess snack kicks as I can. I'm going to truly kick my husband out of the house for a weekend <laughs> and just go to town. But what I'm really struggling with is, um, and, and, and this is so dumb that this is a problem. I'm about to go on my honeymoon. Oh, wow. Right, like right after it comes out. And so <laughs> I'm upset. For some reason, I'm upset about that. <laughs> My hey. reaction is to be upset. <laughs> hey, I understand. Don't you worry. Uh, the The next game I am most excited for is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. It comes out nine days before my girlfriend's 30th birthday. Pretty big birthday that I'm going to be helping with and, and be excited mm-hmm. for. And so uh, I, I understand uh, the the feeling there. Um that's that's amazing. Um, Kale, just in general, thank you so much for sharing about, you know, some of your a smattering of your history with games. I'm sure there's way more we could dive into. Um, but I, I really appreciate you bringing that on to share. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll get into uh, all things Paper Mario. Great. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Of course, I am here with Kale Hills to discuss Paper Mario. Kale, welcome back. Glad to be here. I did have a question, a follow-up question from our last segment. Which I is, would love it. I didn't really give you a chance to ask one. No, that's okay. It's also not uh, super relevant, but you mentioned um, you mentioned your, your girlfriend's upcoming 30th birthday. Yes. I was curious what you did for... Are you... How old are you? I'm 32, but I am really thrilled that maybe there was a chance there. You weren't sure if I was 30 yet. Makes me I feel never young. know. People, <laughs> people could be any age, um, yes, and and I would believe it. But um, so that means you turned 30 during the pandemic. I and like November 2020, like right as things were about to get way worse. Actually, yeah. Um, we did. I did a joint birthday park hang with uh, Ann Maddox, a former guest of the show. We have the exact same birthday, November 15th. And uh, yeah, we just got like some pizza and like met some friends in the park and were sort of scattered about. Uh, so it was honestly, it was kind of a letdown for like yeah. a, for a birthday. But at the time I was really thankful even just to be able to, to see people. Absolutely. Do you yeah. feel any kind of pressure or desire coming, uh, assuming that, you know, this fall that it is uh, uh, like safe uh, still? Do you feel like for 33, for your Jesus year, oh my Jesus year. you want to do something like big? You know what? I think it, I haven't considered it too much, but now that I'm reminded it's my Jesus year, I think I might have to do something. Yeah. Generally what I do every year uh, which a lot of people will, will know this is that me and like, I, I don't often like to celebrate just myself or I haven't traditionally, uh, cause I'm just so selfless and, and, and good in that way. But, uh, a group of us who all, there's, there's a ton of people who have like these Scorpio birthdays will like mm. all just sort of be like, Hey, 
everyone come to this bar and we'll all grab a drink and say hi. Right. Um, but, uh, but this last year I did a little more. I had like some friends over from my like gamer crew to like yeah. truly eat like bagel bites and play video games for an afternoon. And Perfect. so, but that being said, maybe I'll want to do something bigger this year. That's like a little more special. Um, but thank you for asking. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's get into all things Paper Mario. Before we hear um, from you about your experience, I'm just going to do a little table setting for the listener about what the game is. And feel free at any point to uh, hop in if you'd like to add any important context uh, about this game. Great. All right. Uh, but without further ado, uh, Paper Mario uh, is a, is an RPG that was released in 2001, developed by Intelligent Systems and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64, as Kale told us at the beginning of the episode. Um, it was first released in Japan in 2000, then internationally in 2001, um, and it's one of the final games to be released for the N64. It's the last mario game to be released because the gamecube would actually be coming out later that uh that fall of the same year um it uh and it's i mean you probably if you're hearing the name you can and you don't know what the series is you probably know it's probably easy to put together it's a it's a it's not a mario platformer it's a turn-based battle system focused game like a final fantasy or a pokemon sort of and Mario has a paper aesthetic, and so do a lot of characters and things in the game. Um, it's set in the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, and, and, oh, I guess a question I wanted to ask you was, is this your first Mario game, or had you, like, dabbled with Mario before this? Yeah, no, I mean, I think, like, <laughs> yeah, it, it, Mario's unavoidable, right? Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> the most, probably more globally recognized than i don't know even mickey mouse or something like i, I don't know i, I think Maybe. quite literally that has been like a factoid that is now shared is that mario's that right big that yeah. must be why i thought that i, was like, I yeah uh, <laughs> read that on a um uh, a flyer at church one day um <laughs> i um so obviously yeah i uh, um played um uh mario party cool um I did not own, but at a friend's house played um, uh, Mario 64. Cool. Um, played the original, um, like, same thing. Yeah, he's just always been there. Like, played uh, played Super Mario. I was a big fan of Mario Tennis. Oh, I um, love Mario Tennis. And yeah. I, I like golf, too. Um, I could, I never, I, I, I never got into golf. I, you know what, where I played golf, though? Was do you remember how McDonald's used to have um, video games like in the Playland? Yes, I do. I, that's where I would play Mario Golf. Oh, nice, um, nice. Uh, but so Mario, very familiar to me. But um, this game was not necessarily one that I was like anticipating or familiar with. I have an experience of um, um, in my life of. Uh, uh, this is such a bad segue, but uh, here we go. <laughs> have you ever heard the saying, don't judge a book by its cover? Well, kill, I sure have. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I, I actually really hate that saying because um, uh, I have the experience in my life of very often using the covers of things. 
in a useful, helpful way. Nice. <laughs> and um, specifically, I would um, get to sometimes like have a treat or a reward or, um, you know, maybe it was about to be summer vacation. And so the rule was like, we're going to go to Walmart. My family spent a lot of time at Walmart. And, <laughs> um, uh, and you can like pick out a thing. Okay. And that is how I have discovered some of my absolute like favorite things in life is just wandering the aisles at Walmart and being like the cover of this looks interesting. Yes. That's how I, um, the, uh, do you know the band of the go team? I don't know this band. It's like a random band and, um, I absolutely love their first album, but that's how I discovered them was like, I was like, time to go to Walmart and get my reward. Their album cover looked cool as shit. I had no idea what kind of music I was in store for. And I bought it and I loved it. And it was the same thing with Paper Mario where I was like, I don't know what this game is. I haven't heard of it, but like the cover is cool. The art style is like uh, cute and interesting. And I was like, what, 10, 11. So it was um uh uh a blind buy but um but one that i was just like immediately on board with uh yes because of the aesthetic interesting awesome uh that's that's so cool uh even like getting us a little too into you like i love the discovery because i would have asked you that anyway of like how you discovered this game so that's amazing the the last bit of table setting i want to do before i dive even further in is is say that um this game uh was uh was originally i'm not sure if you're aware of this a fun little factoid so this originally the uh when it was first developed was titled super mario rpg 2 um because this was supposed to be a sequel to oh. super mario rpg for the super nintendo have you ever uh played that one at all i haven't i should um, I it's, think I would love it. I actually actually like just played through it for the first time and finished it last week. And it brings you can see so much of the DNA in the Paper Mario series mm. in that it's even though it's developed by a different company, there's still so much humor. It's so fun. It's it's not quite, you know, like baby's first RPG of of keeping everything really simple, but it's pretty simple. Um and, but and like this game, I think it's very well paced. But anyway, um, so, uh, this game was supposed to be originally Super Mario RPG two, and yeah. eventually they wanted to do something that uh, stood out a little more and a little more on the console, which is why they went with the paper aesthetic. Um, and yeah, you play Mario. Um, you know, kind of a traditional story for the Mario series. You're trying to, uh, you know, uh, like save the seven star spirits. Uh, and uh, in order to rescue Peach uh, from Bowser, uh, you have like partner characters that are with you throughout the game. The music's great. It's it's fantastic. Um, is there any? Oh, and this game is also available now on the Nintendo Switch Online service, and it was previously available on the Virtual Console. Um, is there any like game like details or bullet points you think we need to include before we? dive further into your experience um i i don't know i don't know um i think that um 
I, I don't know if this is answering the question in the way that you meant, but one of my favorite things about the game and the gameplay is the um, uh, uh, each chapter, the chapter format takes you to a different world yes. that is so like specific and beautifully realized and like full and well-rounded. Um, so it ends up feeling like a bunch of different games yeah. within this one game. And one of my favorite things about this that I think this game does really well is although it's like centered in the town square of Mushroom Kingdom, there's so many examples of like going back through places that you have been before and literally because it's like paper you know, unfolding new details and entrances. Um, and I think that that's just like beautifully done. And it's just a really well-balanced game. Like the story is, even though it's for kids, like it's pretty well-written and there's a good amount of humor that I think, you know, is corny, but like holds up for any kind of age range. And just so much detail. I don't know. That's like, yeah. that's, I think, if I had to sum up like what I love about the game, that is those things would kind of be at the heart of it. Awesome. There's there's so much even there just to dive into with you. I think just to, to speak a little bit on the first aspect you were talking about, we're like, you know, the separate areas, uh, not only being sort of, you know, really well designed from like, uh, like an aesthetic perspective and and world building, but they're also they also sort of act as like their own little vignettes because of the way the chapters are set up, and it's it's so much uh it is so much fun when you think of those, and it might be hard to think back, so no pressure. But do you remember one that you enjoyed the most? I think that from an enjoyment perspective. Oh God, like I, I start to answer it and then I just keep like changing my mind because yeah. I think they are all so fun. The dry, dry desert, oh. um, uh, I think, uh, stands out from, uh, you know, I guess it's, uh, maybe it's a little, uh, hmm, uh, it, I was about to accuse this game of being like problematic and like orientalist, but get them kale. Uh, I, I, this a not my place to decide and b also was like <laughs> it's ironic to accuse a, a game that's made in japan of being uh orientalist yeah. so uh i just canceled myself um well it's been fun I, having you on the show today i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> um uh, but i love the um i love the i love the dry dry desert i love the fucking haunted spooky forest oh yes and I, you know, what's weird. I like, um, I, the toy land also, I think stands out just for how inventive it is. I think I really actually like hated that area because yeah. of how challenging it is. Um, but aesthetically is so fascinating. Um, and then I also have like very strong opinions about the partner characters. Yes. Um, Cause they each have different abilities that can help you like 
do very specific tasks. And so you need all of them and they all are helpful, but you can choose one to like walk around with you most of the time. And I had such a strong opinion that the like male carrying Koopa Paracarry yes. is was like just he was like my guy. I was like, this guy rules. I would hang out with this guy in real life. Like he's like cool as shit. Totally. And then some of the other partner characters that you like, I was like, I was like such a bummer that you have to like be friends with these people because <laughs> they're such, they suck. Like the first guy you're friends with, Goombario, Goombario. <laughs> he's like so thirsty to be a hero and you're just like chill dude like yeah act like you've been there before bro <laughs> like you seem so desperate and then i also hated the um little uh what the little like zap of electricity yes, the, the the little the like yeah you said it the electricity ball or whatever just because they seemed like to me and I was like a 10 year old making this judgment, but I was like, I was like, this guy's a fucking baby. Like <laughs> quite literally, I think it, it talks in baby speak and it has a pacifier in its mouth. Yeah. I was like, grow up. Like <laughs> that's so funny. We get it. You're from fucking Toyland, but like, come on, we got to go save princess Peach. Oh my gosh. That's, I mean, it would have been funny if these were judgments that you were originally coming up with now, but the fact that you had them as like a 10 year old is so funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. Um, the, yeah, the partner characters are are one of the things I love about this game and the sequel the most um, because as you were saying, they each have like abilities that you can use to like solve puzzles sort of in the in the overworld, but then they all have different battle abilities too. Um I remember, and I should actually pull up a list of uh, of the partner characters just for my just to jog my memory. But Paracarry absolutely rules. I love him and his wings. I love how he can just dive at characters and and carry you over um, over like gaps. I also loved uh, Cooper, who's just like a regular Koopa yes. Troopa, um, and he can throw his shell. And I'm I'm looking at the list here, and uh, oh, I think the one that I would use the most in battle or that I, I end up leaning on in previous playthroughs was uh lady bow who's the boo who can uh, slap yes because you can um like multiply yes and damage. so i think i would lean on that but uh i love she the partners was, she was great i also always i feel bad for um i'm looking at the list too like the yeah. last two that you meet sushi and lackey lester yes like i feel bad for characters like that where you like get introduced like I've been, I've been like hanging out with Paracarry since, like, since the railroad yeah. area. We've like, you know, we've like hung out. We've been through a lot together. We like uh, sleep in the same uh, inn. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I fold myself flat <laughs> and next to him. And so, like, to try to show up late in the game and build a relationship with sushi i'm like i don't know i don't know you yeah. already have a good thing going with these other people like those those characters are in a tough position they really you would have to be really charming to like win me over at that point it's it's true i think that yeah it's a, it's it's a struggle because you've built a relationship with these other ones and i think just looking at this list and knowing um the ones from thousand year door that's a little more fresh for me 
So I actually think the partners overall in Thousand Year Door, I do enjoy better. And the last two just don't have a ton of like personality here for me. Not to criticize them, but I I agree with you. I end up leaning on the earlier ones way more. Yeah. Um, Have you played... um... I'm I'm sure that we would get into this at some point too, but have you played um, like Origami King or Sticker Star? I haven't played. Honestly, the only two Paper Mario's I've ever played are the first two. So this and this one and the one for yeah. GameCube Thousand Year Door. But uh, I know that people generally enjoy them, but there's also like I don't know if you've gone into They're this just online. different games. They're like different. They They're totally like, are play is different the story telling is different origami king like brings back some of the things about the original that were good you like kind of have a partner um the story is better um the places and like setting are interesting but the battle format is really odd and yes like it's just a bummer because to me here's my like shitty priorities like paper mario should be the flagship nintendo franchise in my mind yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it just is never going to be that so but i um i hope that someday they make a game that is in like the spirit of these the first two because they are so special yes kale i'm not sure if, if you're aware of this but you are speaking to such a big uh percentage of people who love the franchise like just from dipping in online watching videos being on like forums and stuff this is something that so many other people also just wish they would do they were like hey i would like partners and i would like it to be a simple battle battle system like we've had before you can 100 you know uh, innovate on it but i think a lot of people like myself are attached to the turn-based style that they and have people feel really strongly i just like casually um uh before this was like oh i should i'm gonna look at the paper mario subreddit and see like what the conversation is yeah and it's um it's like a minefield there was the the top post was like a sticky post from the mod that was like we are banning sticker star memes because they've gotten too mean (laughs) oh my gosh it's crazy paper mario community is like falling apart because of infighting and uh uh hatred and bigotry about the sticker star yes (laughs) entry in the franchise it's like it's i've been following that too i think the post i saw just scrolling through reddit today was because i i subscribed to the paper mario sub to see what's going on but i think the top post was like uh have you do you, this is i'm gonna describe a meme on an audio mm-hmm. medium but have you seen the meme where it's like it'll show like oh there's uh time travelers and it'll be like when a woman time yes. travels that yeah. one uh, and she's like oh you're my you're my daughter or like you're my mom from the past or whatever yeah. and it shows the guy and the guy says like I changed the history of the Mar- Paper Mario franchise, and now it all innovates. Just that's so that it, that's a good meme. It's just I just wanted to like reiterate, like it's such a thing, uh, a, a stance held on that. Um, uh, that community has gotten really weird, but uh, but I'm also with you. It happens to be what I prefer. Um, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you a little bit about more about like the context of uh of when you played this game as well you had 
already got in, us into how you found it. You saw it at Walmart and thought it looked fun and you picked it. But what do you remember? Let's start here. Let's do a little scene painting, Kale. Uh, an exercise I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, <laughs> would you sort of just like scene paint for me the room or the place where you would have been playing this game? Oh my gosh. Yes. I am having to remember where 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 the TV and stuff was set up or like where I lived. Um I think this would have been when I lived in Kansas. Probably the basement. Wow, I really truly don't remember. That's okay. But I think I would say most likely either the basement or the living room at my family home, which was small, a old, like, um, uh, uh, my family lived in a, um, like fixer upper that my parents spent a lot of time, um, kind of redoing. It was a house that was built in the early 1900s and they made a project out of like restoring, um some of the like original features wow but the uh uh actual like living room and family space would have been you know very similar to like an episode of pin 15 or something like that (laughs) like just you know very uh uh very uh y2k modest tv um uh uh one you know one shared family space so i really uh, had to like take advantage of my time yeah um either when like people were gone or my parents were working on projects or something to like try to dive deep into playing um but yeah thank you that even that is just like in, informative and helpful so i i appreciate that um so to like get us in that my, that that mindset um, is there anything about the context, whether broad or specific, that you remember when you played this game or or that you would have been doing as like a 10-year-old? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, not to like uh, harp on it too much, but I think the, um, the thing that is most relevant to my experience of this game is the fact that I was um, was homeschooled. And so I was not like totally isolated because I would have friends from the neighborhood or like group activities or something like that. But I was also a little softy. Mm-hmm. I was a little like, um, uh, you know, I, I wasn't like the biggest sissy in the world, but I also wasn't um, super trying to be out there like playing like tackle football or anything like with the other neighborhood boys. And so um, any chance that I got to like engage in daydream play um, was fun for me. And I was a really avid reader. I loved reading. And Mm. I think that because those elements are so prominent, in in rpg like this the storytelling and the dialogue um were something that 
just really drew me in because rather than um, like having a super complex system of like mechanics that you had to figure out, um, it, it was easier for me to just engage with the story. And I, I think I really enjoyed the aspect of the game that was just like wander around the town and find uh, as many little details and yeah. uh, uh, talk to every character and and make sure you read every joke um, <laughs> that you can because because um, I just really loved and I assume I'm not a hundred percent sure but my little brother is my uh, you know like best friend and he would have been four at the time so mm. I imagine he's probably like sitting there with me kind of like maybe not a hundred percent. Um, playing along with me but that is part of the fun of it for me too is just like truly just sitting in a room with my brother like having I think video game time is when when you can get it it is a time when there's like no uh outside stressors so like just sitting on the ground like crisscross applesauce style maybe my brother's there eating a ziploc bag of cheerios and we're like (laughs) let's like see what's uh let's like let's see what happens if you hit this block with your hammer um yeah that's like that's the vibe of playing this game that's really wonderful too and uh you've you've brought it up a couple times that i and i keep thinking about the sort of because i had would have similar restrictions as a kid of like hey you get a half hour which seems like no time at all um especially now um and and you know this game i think is one if i remember correctly where you have to find like a save block you Mm -hmm, can't just mm -hmm. save anywhere so that's a whole factor into when you're playing but even as you're telling me this i'm like oh that i mean it sounds like you were um at least i'm this is a little me drawing some conclusion here but you were like just appreciating anything you would bump up into during that time and just like and as opposed to like, well, I got to get to the next area or like I've got to beat this next boss is maybe and it maybe depends on the section you're in. But hearing you knows, you know, as a kid who enjoyed uh, reading and 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 how that can tell stories is like, oh, appreciating little dialogue here, secrets here and there. So I don't know something about that's just like really wholesome and like charming. I do think it is a game that is like um And I I think maybe that's how I enjoy a lot of games, but it is a game that is just fun to exist in the world of, and it's so easy to, um, uh, to turn all the little things that you can do into like, you're right. Like if you only have 30 minutes, then maybe you can't advance the story that day, but you can gather enough ingredients to, um, like take to the, uh, baker toad yes. and he'll like make you something really cool and that will help you later but it, it, even just doing that feels like fun yeah that's great yeah. um it's i think it's you know it's a it's a little bit of a testament to like you know you making the most of your time but also to this game and just how much fun detail and stuff it does have for you to do uh even in just like a short you know spurt of 30 minutes or less um that's fun uh i i have a little more i want to ask you about um before we get into our post-show stuff um but 
Does anything about like the paper aesthetic stick out to you? Because I remember thinking that was so cool and loving how that worked with the world itself. I think that it's, uh, I yes, like I think the way that they sometimes use the paper mechanics is so smart. Like sometimes for comedy, like the way that people will get like crumpled up or flattened <laughs> is like very charming. But then also it leads to like a lot of fun, surprising um, moments, like um, maybe more so in Thousand Year Door, but like mm -hmm. the ability to turn yourself sideways and realize that like you can see things from a different angle is very, very interesting. But I think it's really smart whenever any medium like embraces its limitations, right? Yes. And so it, even though it is um, a game from like more than 20 years ago at this point, I think it still holds up as like a very beautiful game because it was not trying to be the coolest, most realistic 3D representation of something. It was like, okay, here's like a flat world, but it's like intentionally so. Um, uh, so that's another thing that kind of, I think, uh, stands out about the game is like of all the, uh, old Nintendo 64 games, I would say it's one where the aesthetic just like stands. It's like yeah. good, good art direction. I think you're totally right. This is also just happens to be an opinion I hold as well, I think. And for all the reasons you said, yeah, it's, it, it is one of the best, look easily i think one of the best looking in 64 games because while that is my personal favorite console of all time the games don't look very good a lot of in uh, most of them don't look good nowadays uh, being you know one of the first uh generations of like 3d modeling consistently in games yeah this this game is so pretty um kale is there anything you know about your experience with this game whether contextual or the game itself that you haven't gotten to share today that you would uh, really like to? Um, the only other thing that it, uh, came to mind at a certain point that we didn't really talk about is the Princess Peach segments. Oh, yes. Um, which I think are just another really fun element and another great example of how the game like breaks itself up in in terms of pacing and storytelling. Like the segments where you um, uh, are... Um, where you play as, because uh, that's also a, a device in games that was like new to me at the time. The idea that you would like leave the main character's point of view and mm -hmm. enter another character's point of view, that was really um, that was so interesting to me. And she has different, um, you know, she can't jump. So then you're like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that was that's a, that was another thing that as a kid, as a as a ten year old, I was like. Um, blown away by yeah that's cool i do love those sections and I, I like them also in the sequel they're very fun uh and she's great um but that's amazing well kale um just before we move to our post-show segment would you mind uh just putting a bow on whatever place this game held for you yeah this game is a great for me was a great entry point into um like rpgs and and um gaming in general but um was just a perfect um you know i i, I was a like, storytelling was always my favorite thing to do as a kid i i love to line up my little 
fucking beanie babies and put on a play <laughs> and um and this game felt like that it felt like uh, mm. uh, uh 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 you are um telling this story through your actions and i think that's what's like um really great about storytelling in the video game medium is it makes you feel like you're coming up with the the storytelling alongside the game absolutely um well kale thank you so much for sharing about your experience with paper mario this is such a special game and i'm glad we got to have such a special guy on to hear about your time <laughs> with it before we go i do have a couple post-show segments that i'm going to get through uh real quick uh so that we can scoot the first of which these uh, the of these two segments is the fact me by your game segment where i'm just going to okay. share some fun facts with you about this game great um the, these are both going to come from the YouTube channel Did You Know Gaming. Uh, they have a great Paper Mario video, which I'm going to send to you after this so you can watch the rest of them because they're really fun factoids. Oh, um, the first of which, I have this fact titled Localization Lovers. Now, there's a character throughout the game named Chuck Quizmo, a worm who gives Mario several quizzes yeah. throughout the game. Do you remember this guy? Of course. <laughs> I didn't know he was a worm until literally re researching facts. I don't think game. I could have told you that too. He was yeah. creepy looking. Was Very. Like, yeah. He's got his top hat. He seems to be up to something, but his questions in these quizzes had different answers depending on the language it was localized in, as you could, yeah. as you could guess. Uh, and during the 60th question in the game, he asks the question, what best describes the relationship between Mario and Luigi? In the English version, the options are friends, brothers, or neighbors. Uh, however, in the Japanese version, the options are friends, brothers, and lovers. That's surprising to me. It is, uh, and I thought it was very strange. Uh, and so obviously when it was localized for other versions like the international version, uh, they took that out uh, for, as, for reasons you could probably guess. Is that um, – um... It's it's meant to read as a joke, right? Like I would assume so, and, and it's a very, uh, it's it's very a very ballsy joke to make in like a children's aesthetic game about Mario, as well. It would, that would never happen nowadays. Uh, um, but anyway, uh, localization lovers, and the the second fact I have uh, also has to do with Luigi. It is Luigi's Mansion foreshadowing. Uh, there are many Easter eggs and references in Paper Mario. Uh, and in the game, uh, did you know that Luigi keeps like a secret basement under Mario's uh, yes. house? Um, so <laughs> I uh, said that so defensively. Like, yes, like, <laughs> yes, yeah. I know that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I practically hung out there. Um, he has his secret diary, uh, of course, in this secret mm -hmm. basement uh, and contains a handful of entries often referring to other Nintendo games that Luigi was featured in, like Mario Tennis, like uh, Mario Party. In fact... And one of the, I think the final, the the 10th entry, Luigi mentions that he is very afraid of ghosts and that he wants to be the lead in his own game, which of course is very heavily hinting at the upcoming Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube, which was in development at the same time. Oh, awesome. Uh, you haven't happened to play a Luigi's Mansion, have you? I played the, um, what was the new one? I played that one. Yeah, three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love Super that one. It's, I mean, I like, I actually like the whole series, but uh, 
that one is my personal favorite. Uh, well, that'll do it for the fact we buy your game segment, and I'll lead us into the final one, the game recommendations. Now, Kale, this is my one uh, forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name, where uh, aside from making you call me by your game, where I'm going to ha- uh, treat Paper Mario like your passionate summer Italian love that you're eventually going to move on from. And so these recommendations are going to be potential new flings for you that all have something in common with the game. Uh, Great. Because I find familiarity goes a long way. So the first recommendation is if all you want, and it sounds like from what we talked about earlier, you kind of do, is a modern spiritual successor to Paper Mario, even down to the combat, because Nintendo won't give it to you. I'll recommend a game I've seen uh, recommended heavily called Bug Fables, which is kind I've, of new. I played it. <laughs> oh, did you like it? I did like it. Yeah. Oh, it man. Has, it is. It, it scratches that itch. It's, yes. It's it's fun. Um, the uh, like uh, puzzles and combat are are incredibly similar, um, but kind of like leveled up. Like it is a more challenging, like mm. slightly more. Um, not adult, but like slightly uh, uh, more. It's more like involved. Diff- more involved. Yeah. Uh, but just barely. Um, uh, yeah, it's great. Awesome. Sounds like a recommend from you too. Uh, I've ne- I didn't know that I knew anyone who played it, so I'm so happy to hear it because it's on my like list of you know. It I'd truly like to play is because it. so my 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 brother uh, it, it actually is like. Uh, a gamer like he nice and so he he hit me up because he was like this is the this is the paper mario sequel you've been waiting for oh. so i you know I, I i ran to steam oh i love that and shout out to brother what a what a what a prince oh, that's incredible um the second rec i have for you is if you want another humorous uh nintendo rpg but you don't mind that it gets a little sad and a little dark I'll recommend uh, to you, uh, Mother Three, the sequel to Earthbound. If you've heard of it, I um, uh, I think I downloaded it on an emulator one time. Yes, and never and never played it. Yes, it's this game. I actually recommended to Oscar recently because Oscar loves, I mean, all sorts of games, but RPGs. And so I was like, "Have you played this?" And because I played it uh, to start the year, uh, and I have like a fan translation cart, and I was, I was yeah. honestly talking to so many people, like, "Who wants to borrow it? Who? I, someone's got to play this." Uh, yeah, because I, it was a really special experience, but uh, it does get a little uh, dark. Uh, and then your final recommendation is if. You just need, you know, a clean slate. You need uh, the polar video game opposite of Paper Mario. Then I'm going to go ahead and recommend to you Sonic 3D Blast, which is a game about Sonic, the opposite of Mario, and uh, within a 3D environment. So uh, your recommendations today are Bug Fables, Mother 3, and Sonic 3d blast that'll do it for the recommendations and that'll bring us to the end of the show um so before we go and plug whatever we want kale thanks again for doing this and coming on to chat with me today thank you so much for having me um what a what a fun trip down uh uh nostalgia lane it was a blast on and it's my personal favorite lane uh uh, my second 
Christmas tree lane. Um, Kale, do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, I know we plugged uh, Pony's upcoming shows earlier, um, but you could reiterate that or anything you'd like. Yeah, come watch Pony at UCB Franklin Theater. Um, our next show is April 20th, uh, but you can find all of our shows on the UCB Theater website. I also perform sometimes with a team there called Queer World. Yes. Um, uh, which you can find on the schedule. I'm not actually sure when our next show is. My Instagram is my name, uh, Kale Hills. Um, I never post there, but um, <laughs> but if you want to follow me um, anyway, you're welcome to. Gorgeous. Well, thank you for the plugs. I'll go ahead and close this out with some plugs of my own. Uh, the show art for Call Me By Your Game is done by Glenn J. You can find him on Instagram and his other great work at Glenn with two N's dot J-A-Y. The show is produced by Jeremy Schmidt. You should check out his show, Video Games, a comedy show, another weekly uh, a podcast about video games on our network. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Connor underscore McCabe. Lately, I've been streaming a lot on Twitch. I've been playing, I just finished Super Mario RPG as I was telling Kale earlier, but I'm playing Ori in the Blind Forest currently. Uh, so if you want to come hang out with me and, and watch my progress through the game, you can follow me there. And lastly, check us out on Patreon. We're over at patreon.com slash super NPC radio. We're, uh, we're at our $10 DJ toad tier. You get three bonus podcasts a week which is 12 bonus podcasts minimum a month. It's uh, truly an insane amount of very fun, thoughtful video game uh, coverage, including our upcoming Pokemon games, Pokemon Red and Blue Games Club, and the Call Me By Your Game co-op episodes where I have a group of people on to talk about a meaningful game to the group of us once a month. Um, but that'll do it for this episode of Call Me By Your Game. We will see you on the next one. 